As we turn to Scripture, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be in harmony with your spirit, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Our Scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1. Let's listen for what the Spirit is saying to us today. So when they, that's the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who had been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Today is the day we celebrate the story of the ascension of Jesus being lifted up and taken into the heavens. And this day always makes me think of that Sunday several years ago when I was sitting in my office, I was looking out the window and I saw a little boy standing outside with his mother and he was looking up at the sky and it was pretty clear what had happened. We had just finished our worship, and during worship, we had given balloons to the children. And just before I looked out the window, this little boy had lost his grip on the string of his balloon. So he was standing there, his neck cranked back, his mouth open, watching the balloon disappear into the clouds. He was pretty upset about the whole thing, and I think he might have stayed there forever tearfully watching the sky for his balloon. If his mother hadn't said, it's okay, we'll get another one. Now, sometimes I think strange thoughts, especially on Sunday afternoons. So I began to wonder, what if there were no other balloons in the world? What if that boy's balloon was unique, the only balloon in existence, and now it had disappeared into the clouds? There had been one perfect balloon in the world, a balloon of amazing beauty, and it was in his grip for just a moment before it drifted into the heavens. Would he return again and again to the spot where he lost it? Would he tell others about the balloon, how big and bright it was, so they would start to gather with him, hoping to catch a glimpse of it? Soon there would be a crowd telling stories and singing songs and looking up into the sky together, waiting and wondering, hoping the balloon might peek out from behind the clouds and return to earth. Now, I know this all sounds silly, but to many people... This is what the Christian religion looks like. We gather together week after week, we tell our stories, we sing our songs, we remember promises that are thousands of years old, and then we gaze up into the heavens together, waiting and wondering, hoping against hope to catch a glimpse of Jesus once again. Now we should acknowledge up front, this story really can't be taken at face value. 
It talks about Jesus ascending, floating into heaven, and most of the artwork and images of the ascension, you see one up here, have this kind of floating, flying feeling. But we know, don't we? We know that heaven is not up there somewhere beyond the clouds. We don't need to get into the physics of it all, but even if Jesus took off from the earth at the speed of light, now we can see that far into space and no heavens or flying saviors have been detected. What made sense in the first century doesn't always make sense in the 21st century. Or let me say it another way, spiritual truths aren't always literal truths. So we can't take this story at face value, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have something to teach us. So the disciples stood there, frozen like that little boy who had lost his balloon, their necks cranked back, their mouths wide open, hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesus amidst the clouds. And then two men in white robes appear. This is how the author of Acts describes angels. Two angels appear and ask, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? Now, floating behind the angel's question is a more basic question. Where do we find Jesus? Where do we look? Where is Jesus now? The disciples thought they could find him by looking up, but I think the angels are actually pointing us in another direction. Around the time of the Protestant Reformation, there was a lot of talk about where Jesus' body was. I know that may sound strange, but this was really a major concern the Roman Catholic tradition was saying that Jesus' body was everywhere, everywhere, ubiquitous. And so they could celebrate the Mass all over the world and Jesus' body and blood would be present for communion. But John Calvin and the Reformers thought that that was wrong. Jesus' body was supposed to be in heaven. That's what the story of the Ascension is all about. So Calvin said that when we take communion, we are actually lifted into heaven by the power of the Spirit to where Jesus' body is. If you will forgive the presumption, I think when it comes to Jesus' body, they both got it wrong. Jesus himself told us where we could find his body, at least in a roundabout sort of way. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells the story of the sheep and the goats. They are being judged for how they treat other people. And in the story, the Son of Man blesses the sheep and curses the goats because, he says, the sheep were kind to him. They fed him and welcomed him and clothed him and took care of him, and the goats ignored him. But they all reply, well, wait a minute, we never saw you. And the Son of Man says, if you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And if you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. In other words, if you saw someone hurting, you saw me. If you touched someone in pain, you touched me. The disciples thought Jesus' body was up there somewhere behind the clouds, and they wanted to be up there with him too. We still see that in some forms of Christian faith today. Jesus is up in heaven somewhere, untouched by the troubles of this world, so his followers try to keep their eyes fixed on the clouds. But I think that misses the point, because the ascension is not really about Jesus going up. It's about Jesus going out. 
Instead of the ascension of Christ, it should be called the expansion of Christ because that's what happened. All the grace which filled Jesus was suddenly blown out into the world. Before it was seemingly contained in one man, but now it was everywhere, touching everyone. The ascension tells us that Christ is not trapped in the body of a first century Jew, nor is he floating up in the clouds somewhere. He is right here with us, among us, within us. When we break bread together, he's there. When we love our enemies, he's there. When we show kindness to strangers, he's there. When we find the peace that passes understanding, he's there. When we give compassion to the least and the last and the lost, he's there. When we travel to Mexico to learn and serve as a group from FPC just did, he's there. When I was in seminary, I spent two weeks in Merida, Mexico, and it was an amazing experience, great beauty and generosity, but also crushing poverty. And walking through some of the narrow streets of Merida, sometimes you literally had to step over people, mostly old women and young children, either silently holding out a hand or maybe offering a small stitched piece of cloth as they asked, un peso, un peso. One of the things we talked about as seminary students was where we saw Jesus in all of this. We actually started asking people, donde esta Jesus? Where is Jesus? Now, it would have made sense for people to point to the cathedral which cast its shadow over the town square or maybe to one of the priests who wandered by from time to time, and some of them did that. But some others did a surprising thing. When asked, where is Jesus, instead of pointing to the priests, they pointed to the old women and young children on the street. Instead of pointing to the cathedral, they pointed to the people begging for alms huddled together in the cathedral's entryway. See, I think they were on the side of the angels. Why are you looking up, the angels asked. Implied in that question is a charge. Don't stand there gawking. Get moving. If you want to find Jesus, don't look up. Look out. Look around. If you want to find Jesus, go where he called us to be. Be his witnesses, his hands and feet. Be his body. As Teresa of Avila put it, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks in compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. If you want to see the body of Christ, be the body of Christ. Do his work. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, bind up the brokenhearted, speak words of hope and healing to a desperate and despairing world. Because not up in the clouds somewhere light years away, but in the beautiful and broken places where love is the only answer, that is where we will find Jesus. And that's where Jesus will find us too. Thanks be to God. Amen.